All right, welcome on a really cold day. Thank you guys for uh, coming and being here. Uh, well, uh, as Pastor Randy just mentioned, we are in a series uh, called A New Thing. It's based out of the book of Acts. It is God doing a new thing in the world through his church. And uh, it's the story of how the very first church was filled with God's Holy Spirit. And what I want to do this morning is lead us through chapter 2 of the book of Acts. I want to do it a little bit differently today. I want to do it in the first person. I'm going to put myself right back into the text as if I were one of those 120 believers who was present that day when the Holy Spirit came. And uh, so I'm Pastor Jim. I'm going to turn this over now to James, all right? James is a guy from, the, from AD 33, Jerusalem. He was not the Apostle James. He was there that day. But uh, just one of the other Jameses, a common name during that day. So the, you can think of me for the next several moments as a guy from AD 33, Jerusalem. Now, I know that you've got to use your imagination because that would make me very, very old. Okay, all right. But that's, that's the setup here this morning. So I want you to know, there's nothing that I would rather talk to you about. And I have told a lot of people, including an historian uh, named Luke, a really educated scholarly guy who came to Israel, to Jerusalem, in A.D. 60 to 62, and he was interviewing all kinds of people who had been present on the day when the Holy Spirit came. And he, he interviewed me, he interviewed many others, and then he wrote it all down in this historical record that is contained in our Bible, and it's called the Book of Acts. And you can read that anytime. In fact, I would encourage you, you know, to read, to read what Luke has written. All right, now, but I'm going to tell you, in my own words, what I experienced that day. So let me begin right here. You know, our hopes had been pinned on Jesus for three years. He was everything to us. But when he got crucified, and we saw him from a distance hanging on that cross, and you know, when, when you're crucified, you look about as dead as a human being can be. And all of our hopes were completely crushed. I don't know if you've ever had anything in your life happen to you that just crushed your dreams, crushed your hopes. Well, that's how we felt. We felt so numb. And it was so dark and so despairing for us all. But then, Jesus did what he said he, what he had told us he was going to do several times, but we just couldn't get our heads around it. Jesus beat death. He drove back the shadow of death into a corner and knocked death out of the picture. And to prove it, he met with over 500 of us over the next five weeks. He sat down, he talked with us, we saw him, we had conversations with him. And incidentally, Luke also interviewed many of us 500 who saw Jesus when he was resurrected. And in those meetings, Jesus told us he was about to send us all out on a mission to continue the work of telling other people. And this was just not gonna be in our hometown. And this is where it got sort of scary. Because he said, I'm going to be sending you guys who have never been outside the nation of Israel. 
I'm going to be sending you to the nations of the world to take this message. The message that I died for the sins of all humanity so that every person can be forgiven. But there was one thing that Jesus kept telling us over and over again. He said, do not leave the city of Jerusalem. Don't try to do this mission in your own strength. I want you to remember something. Do you remember how John baptized you in the Jordan River three years ago? He took you out into the water, and then he lowered you. He completely submerged you in the water. Well, in just a few days from now, I am going to baptize you. I'm going to immerse you, not in water this time. I'm going to immerse you in the very spirit of God himself. And after I do that, you're going to have the Holy Spirit's own unstoppable passion and bravery and boldness and love to go out into this world outside the borders of your own nation, outside of every comfort zone you've ever planted yourself in, you're going to be so bold for me that you're going to go and share this message, even if it costs you your life. And Jesus kept drilling this into us every time we met during those 40 days until he ascended. Now, I'd like to stop and tell you about that because that was really an amazing thing too. But we'll talk about that some other time, okay? But here... There were 120 of us who began to meet together. First of all, we began to meet in the upper room, but it got too crowded in there. So we moved over to a space in the temple. And what we did, we just did what Jesus told us to do. We began to pray and we began to seek the Holy Spirit. We had no clue what to expect. Then 10 days after Jesus ascended, came one of the major Jewish holidays that we celebrated every year. It was called the Festival of Pentecost. It's the day when we celebrate the beginning of the harvest season. It was just a great celebration. And so Jewish people from all over the world, they came crowding back into Jerusalem, and the population swelled to several hundreds of thousands. And, you know, later on, looking back at this, I thought, man, what amazing timing God has. Because this, as it turned out, would be the day when he launched the church into the spiritual harvest of the world, what a better timing than on the, on the harvest festival day. God to do this. So anyway, we were all praying at the nine o'clock temple service, the time of the morning sacrifices, on harvest festival day. We were all in there praying. And what happened next still gives me goosebumps. And I, I don't have all the words to express it. But as we prayed, all of a sudden, what I can best describe as like the sound of a tornado just came sweeping into the room. And before we could even react, it was followed what what looked like this big ball of fire that came following the tornado right into the room. And then it began to split into all these smaller, tinier flames until there was a flame of fire over all 121 of us. And it struck me, wind, that had always been a sign of God's invisible reality. He is invisible, but he is very real and very powerful. And fire had always been a symbol that God is pure, he is just, he is righteous, he is good. And so all I'm telling you this morning is this, that at that moment, God, the Holy Spirit, came into the room. 
And I never knew that God could or would get that close to people. I had never experienced anything like it before. And not only did he come into the room, but the Holy Spirit came into me and and, and all the others of us that were praying there. And then the strangest thing of all happened. As we started to worship God, the Holy Holy Spirit began to stir inside of my mind and of my fellow prayers the words of languages that we had never spoken, we had never even learned. And and so we just began to speak them out. And I know this sounds totally incredible, but none of us understood a word that we were saying. But there were a lot of bilingual Jews from other nations who were there for the festival. And so when they heard you know, what was going on, they all came running to see what, what's happening here. And as they came, they began to say, well, I hear, I hear this guy speaking in, in my bilingual language. I hear him speaking that. And they were all puzzled and said, well, how can this, how can this possibly be? These people are from the backwoods of northern Palestine. They're Galileans. They're uneducated. They've never learned these languages. But, but we hear them praising God, praising Jesus, fluently in our languages. Now, later on, when Luke investigated this, he listed at least 15 different dialects that were being spoken among the 120 of us that day. Now, I want you to know, uh, we were not in some kind of a trance. We were not in some sort of out-of-body experience, some sort of ecstasy. That isn't what was going on. We were in total control of our minds. We were fully aware of our minds and our emotions. It was just like the Holy Spirit began to form syllables in our minds, and we just cooperated by speaking them out. And the crowd was totally confused, especially our own hometown Hebrew-only speaking fellow Jews because they didn't understand any, they didn't know any of these other languages and they thought we were drunk and just uttering a lot of nonsense. So they made fun of us. But that is when I saw Peter stand up. Now this was the same Peter who had denied even knowing Jesus five weeks ago at Jesus' trial when that servant girl came up and said, hey, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter right away, you know, he said, I've never, I don't even know this guy. I've never heard of him before. And completely, Peter completely disassociated himself with Jesus. And then he ran out and hid. But now I saw Peter stand up in front of some of the very same religious leaders right in the middle of the temple. Some of the same people that had crucified Jesus, I had never, ever seen Peter so bold. And then Peter preached his first sermon. And this is how he started it. He said, my fellow Jews, listen to me. It's only 9 a.m. It's too early for anyone to be drunk. We're not drunk. But remember one of our prophets, Joel, who lived 900 years ago, how he foretold a day that would come 
when God would pour out his spirit on people so that the message of his salvation could be spread to the entire world. I want to tell you, that is this day. And then Peter quoted Joel the prophet, in the last days, during the last age of human history, before the Lord comes back to set up his kingdom, I am going to pour out my Holy Spirit upon all my people, starting with your sons and your daughters. And when Peter said, starting with your sons and your daughters, that, I got so excited about that. Because I, I thought, wow, this is for children. And then he said, upon your young men and upon your women, upon old men and older women, upon ordinary common people, I am going to pour out my spirit and I am going to fill them with my visions and my dreams for people and for this world so that they can go into this world seeing the world and seeing people exactly like the Holy Spirit does, like I do. And then they're going to share this message of forgiveness of sins, a second start in life, hope instead of despair. They're going to take that to the four corners of this world until the day that I come again and the task is complete. Now, Peter kept right on preaching. And what he said next made me think to myself, Peter you might just get yourself crucified here today. Because he looked straight out at the crowd. Some of those religious leaders that killed Jesus were standing right there. And he said this, people of Israel, listen. For three years, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth did miracles among us. And no one can deny it. They were done out in the open. And not only that, he taught us, he exposed our personal and our social and our religious sins. And he challenged fake, self-righteous religion. And he called us to genuine repentance and then to living lives of genuine love and doing justice and caring for people. But you, his fellow countrymen, and you who are religious leaders with the help of wicked men, you tried to get rid of him. You tried to silence him. You nailed him to the cross. You killed him, and he was put in a tomb. But I'm here to tell you this morning, today, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony and pain of death because it was impossible even for death to keep its hold on him. And then Peter tied it all together with what they had just seen in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Brothers and sisters, I declare this to you. God has raised Jesus to life, and we are here today as witnesses because it is Jesus, now exalted at the Father's right hand, who has poured out what you see and hear in front of your eyes today. He is the one who has poured out the Holy Spirit. And it's proof that Jesus is alive. Therefore, Peter says this, let all Israel be assured of this. This Jesus who you crucified is both Lord God Almighty and the promised Messiah Savior. And then Peter paused and it got totally silent in the room. 
And you could have heard a pin drop in this crowd of several thousands of people that had gathered there. And right then, I sort of expected the same temple guards that took Jesus away, I expected those temple guards to come in and take Peter out of there. But I was shocked again. There was a totally different response from the people. Instead, the people from the crowd began to yell out to Peter, what what should we do? What do we need to do? Now, Luke would later interview some of these very people. And they they told him that when they heard Peter speak about Jesus, it was as if their hearts were just being cut. They were being cut to the heart. Conviction. It dawned on them that they had crucified the Savior. They had scorned him. They had rejected him. And then it hit me right then why Jesus had been telling us Don't try to go and carry out this mission of telling about me until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit because it is the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us that gives our witness power to make Jesus known and to cut through the barriers in human hearts. Then I heard Peter answer the crowd, their their question. And this is what Peter said to the crowd that day. He said, Repent. That means simply admit your sins to God. Admit that there's a barrier between you and God because our sins separate us from a holy God. And then he said, after you've repented, take a public stand for Christ. Get baptized. Demonstrate that you really believe that he has cleansed you from your sins. And then he made a great promise. Then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like we have. You can experience the reality of God just as we have today and discover that above everything else you were created to be temples of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter added something that gave me more goosebumps. And that was this, that he said to the crowd, he said that what we've experienced today here at this Harvest Festival, the Holy Spirit coming upon us, is not just for today, but the gift of the Spirit is for your children and their children and for all generations to come in history all the way up to the coming of Jesus Christ again. It's for everyone whom the Lord calls to salvation. And who who does the Lord call to salvation? I believe he calls everybody to salvation because he doesn't want anyone to perish. And then, for the next several minutes... I listened as Peter, uh, and here's the word that Luke used later. Peter kept pleading with the people in the crowd. Now, Luke didn't record all the words that Peter went on to say here, but he just says he was pleading with the crowd, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. The word corrupt there means curved away. It's the idea of veering off of a trajectory that you were originally intended to be on. And that's exactly the human condition, isn't it? And the longer we resist God, the further we create and build up our arguments against God and against Christ, the more we push God away, we are veering off of the trajectory God created us to walk and live life on. 
we're, and we're moving further and further away from God, and the danger and the tragedy is that if we stay on that trajectory going away from God, we will stay on a trajectory that takes us further and further away from God for all of eternity. It's serious deal here. It's serious stuff. And Peter that day was pleading with these people to surrender their arguments, to give up the struggle of pitting human will against God's will, and to come, come and receive Christ. Invite him into your life. That was his message. And on that day, 3,000 people laid aside their resistance, their arguments, and with all their wounds and their sorrows and their sins, they came to Christ. And they received Jesus that day. And then there was this great water baptism service. Now, there were 12 apostles, and they did the baptizing. And that means they each, they each baptized about 250 people that day. And the great, and then the other thing is that the people in, then all 3,000, we were no longer 120, we were now 3,000 who were sharing the message of Christ in our city and with our neighbors and our friends. And then we began to meet together in two ways. We would keep coming together, all 3,000 of us, into the temple where we were worshiping God and praising him. And then we were all breaking up into small groups, hundreds of homes throughout the city of Jerusalem where we kept growing in the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the love of others and, the, and this abounding love for our community. And we kept seeing more and more people coming to Christ. More and more groups were multiplying throughout the city. And, and so here's my personal testament. I just want to wrap it up this way. The greatest joy I've ever had in my life, next to coming to Christ myself, was the, ex was the experience of seeing a steady stream of people coming to know Jesus and their lives redeemed and changed and given hope. And the joy of the Holy Spirit filled our churches. And and we became what I can best describe as the Holy Spirit's multiplying movement on the earth until Jesus comes again. So, now I'm going to switch back to Pastor Jim, okay? Uh, what my intent in, in taking that approach is, the pa is something very passionate on my heart. I would not sit on a pulpit for 48 years and teach something that I did not believe was reality. It is true. What I've just talked about, what we read about in the descent of the Holy Spirit. And now the point, the whole point that Luke makes and the whole scripture makes is this, that what happened, what happened when the Holy Spirit fell upon those 120 guys was not something to be confined to that one time, that first century. The Holy Spirit came into the room that day. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come into our room. He wants to come where we are. And the key is, and I know the Holy Spirit is ready to burst into your heart, into my life. He's ready to fill us to overflowing. 
just as he did there. Not anything less than that. If, but here, here's the variable factor. The variable factor is your heart and mine. Am I thirsty like they were? Am I hungering for the Holy Spirit of God to fill this temple, this bodily temple, like they were? Friends, there are so many things in this world to distract us from our spiritual focuses. But there's one spiritual focus that Jesus kept drilling into those disciples. Walk in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Live immersed in the Holy Spirit. Walk through your day praying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Flow through me. Empower me. And what we're talking about today is something that is highly experiential. Christianity is not a dead belief system which is disconnected from human experience. It's, very, it's the very opposite. Christianity is what fills human experience more deeply than anything else in this world can because it is experiencing the reality of God. That's what we need to turn our lives around, to change us. And so I during this past week, struggling with words, struggling with words, how do I, as a flawed human being who happens to be a, a pastor, how do I stand in front of this congregation and express this reality adequately? How do I do that? I cannot do that except by the power of the very one whom I'm talking about today, the Holy Spirit. I cannot do that on myself, but I, I want to convince this church family that we're talking about reality here. Not, we, we're not living a dead faith, a dead Christianity. This is a Christianity, according to Luke, that has power in it to change our community. It has power to change our world. We have got to grab a hold of this, guys. We've got to seek the Holy Spirit, pray, spend time yearning for him. Then we can become the church more than ever before that he's calling us to be. Going outside of our borders, breaking the borders, breaking the barriers, because we have a world that God desperately loves. People at work that he desperately loves. Neighbors that he desperately loves. And if we don't have the boldness of the Spirit and the passion of the Spirit we're probably just not going to be motivated to do much about it. And I say that to myself too. Our motivation as Christians does not rise from, from ourselves. That motivation, it, it comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the one. And so I guess my, my prayer this morning is that we will, with all of our hearts and souls, as we go through this study of the book of Acts. I don't want to just teach something. We're going to stick it on the shelf and say, okay, what's next? And I don't think any of us want that. We want that dynamic Christian life. Uh, and, and so it's up to me first as your pastor to, to embrace this and to thirst and hunger. But I, I, I just invite all of us, all of us to re-examine our priorities and then simply present ourselves proactively as they did, the first 120, 
so that the Spirit of God can empower us to make Jesus known. Um, As we pray to the Holy Spirit, we can expect him. See, this wasn't anything they worked up. This wasn't just some emotional binge that they worked up and the wave hit and it was gone. And we're not here to work up emotional binges. I don't like emotional, I don't like spiritual emotional binges because that's all they are. They're just emotional. There's no substance. But what I really do like, and I think what God really likes, he likes the reality of the power of the Holy Spirit because it's genuine, it's lasting, and it's true. Uh, so we don't ha- we, all we do is present ourselves to the Lord. Say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your Spirit. And then the Spirit comes into the room. The Spirit takes it from there and comes into our lives. Uh, so I would like to pray this morning and, let, and not let this simply be our... I'd like this to be the impetus for us to continue praying on our own, finding a place during the week to pray, specifically uh, read, get into this book of Acts and say, Lord... What you're talking about there, that experience, you're sending me the message, it's for me too. And that we continue to pursue him until the experiential reality of it becomes ours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you care about us, you love us, Lord. And Lord, that you have brought us together in the 21st century. Lord, we are followers of Jesus, and I thank you for every follower of Jesus in this room, Lord. But, oh, Lord, I pray that your spirit could come in a fresh kind of way, that there could be a fresh outpouring of the mighty Holy Spirit upon all of our hearts, beginning with Pastor Jim, beginning with me, and all of us, Lord, that we just embrace this mighty power, Lord, that we're being reminded of as we go through the book of Acts, Lord, that we've we've got to be anchored in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, oh, Father, I pray that as we maybe feel some conviction here this morning, Lord, don't, don't let Satan turn that into condemnation. That's not what this is about, Lord. All this is about is reawakening our hunger, reawakening our thirst for the mighty Holy Spirit of God to just Fill us, fill us, fill our hearts and souls so that his motivations become our motivations. And Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you praise for this. I pray, Lord, as we go about our days through the week, Lord, that we will, we, that will be our prayer to you. Lord, fill us, refill us. Keep us alive in the power and presence of the mighty Holy Spirit so that we can stay on mission in sharing this news of the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the redemption of a very, very hurting and suffering world. Lord, give us those dreams and visions of the Holy Spirit so that we can see people and we can see our world like the Holy Spirit sees our world and so that we can be filled with the presence of Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise, we give you thanks for all of these things. We pray them in Jesus' great and mighty name Amen. Amen. Amen.